KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. There's a lot going on at the Betsy Ross House the morning of June 14th. It's Flag Day, after all, at the birthplace of the American flag. What else would you expect? Among the highlights were a ceremonial flag raising in the courtyard of the red brick, colonial, quintessential, old city Philadelphia style home. Hey, boop! Huzzah! Hey, boop! Huzzah! Hey, boop! Huzzah! Huzzah! And long may this flag wave in freedom. Huzzah! Huzzah! Thank you all for participating. A call to colors, complete with a processional and bagpipes. Color guard. Present colors. And the main event, what's become a Betsy Ross House Flag Day tradition, their annual naturalization ceremony back in its regular format for the first time since the pandemic. For our country. So let me be the first to say congratulations to each of the 14 of you. And let me be able to tell you how pleased and proud I am to be able to call each of the 14 of you my fellow American. Congratulations to each of you on your new citizenship. There were also lots of kids at the Betsy Ross House on Flag Day when I visited there in the middle of June. And that's customary for this time of year. If you're from the area, you know the Betsy Ross House is a classic, tried and true, end of the year field trip destination for schools from Philly and beyond. This group is from a public school in Brooklyn. Where are you guys from? Brooklyn. 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 What's the name of your school? PS164. And what grades are you guys in? How old are you? Four. I'm nine. And we're ten. I'm ten. So who can tell me what they know about Betsy Ross? She made the flag. She made the flag? Which flag? I'm the American flag. That's a pretty big deal, right? She made the American flag? Ah, yes. Betsy Ross made the American flag. Of course, right here in Philadelphia. This is what we were taught, right? This is history, isn't it? Well, I don't know. Upon further review, there are differing opinions about what Betsy Ross might have or might not have done with the American flag. But at the place responsible for gatekeeping our history, they don't mind debate. They think that if all you're hung up on is Betsy Ross and the flag, you're missing out. And I still feel like that's really not even the most important and interesting part of Betsy's story. This is The John Cast, a podcast about interesting and unexpected stories from Philadelphia. I'm Brian Seltzer. Over the next three episodes, we're going to talk a lot about flags and why Philadelphia is arguably the most prominent flag city in the grand old U.S. of A. We'll take you to a factory in the Northeast that make flags fit for a president. So we have a very special mission. We're the only team in the world authorized to make the president and vice presidential flags. We're also going to meet a woman who, for decades, has been one of the staunchest supporters of Philadelphia's own flag and talk to another woman who's got ideas on how to give that 
Azure blue and yellow flag, a fresh look. My design resembles the geography of Philadelphia, the Liberty Bell in the center of the Keystone to represent Philadelphia being a part of uh, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, both two places that I really love and hold dear. But this week, up first in part one of our Philly Flags miniseries, we're going to start at the beginning and visit the Betsy Ross house to re-examine parts of the story you probably know and other parts you don't. Okay, let's cut right to the chase. Why should you care about flags? And why specifically should we tell the story of Betsy Ross? Why are flags important? Why do flags matter? Why do flags matter? Flags matter because they are symbols. They represent the ideas that we would forget if we did not have a visual picture of what they looked like. Who better to talk about the importance of flags than Betsy Ross herself, or one of the fantastic Betsy Ross impersonators at the Betsy Ross house? Betsy, and we're using some really big air quotes there, was the star of the show on Flag Day, mingling about, talking with people, and she nailed it when it came to the importance of flags, especially back during the time that she lived in the Revolutionary Period. And that's why, whether they be the colors or the shapes that are chosen, every element of the flag must be important, in a good design, of course. And I only do good designs on flags. And of course, according to popular history, Betsy didn't just make good flags. She made the flag, the one that, at its core, 246 years later, remains the enduring symbol of our nation, the American flag. So the story is that she was working in her upholstery shop on Arch Street, and through the door came George Washington, Robert Morris, and George Ross. She knew they had to have been here for an important reason, so she took them to the back of the house where there was a, a nicely furnished parlor. That's Lisa Ackermolder is the director of the Betsy Ross house. She's worked there for almost 23 years. From her third-floor office, she's telling the version of Betsy Ross's history that most people have come to know. Um, so she couldn't speak to them in the open public upholstery shop at the front of the house, so she took them to the back. There they presented her with a design of a flag and asked her if she could make it. She said she'd never made a flag before, but she certainly had the skills and the knowledge to do sewing because she was a professional upholsterer, so she said she would try. She did suggest one change to the design they presented, and that was to make the stars on the flag five-pointed rather than six-pointed. The gentlemen were impressed, and they agreed to the change in the design. Betsy Ross was born in Gloucester City in South Jersey in 1752. She died in Philadelphia in 1836 when she was 84. About 50 years later, in the late 1800s, her family took it upon itself to start promoting her story. It got to the point where their version became part of the mainstream. This might sound obvious, but we're talking about the late 1700s. Record-keeping is hard now. Back then, handwritten notes, oral histories. I mean, that's pretty much all we have to rely on, right? So how hard is it to get history right from that period of time? It's challenging. Fortunately, we do have a really good record of what happened in Betsy's life. So we have a pretty extensive knowledge of what Betsy was doing, you know, the trajectory of her life, thankfully. And a lot of that was because her, Betsy didn't share her story. Like, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have any journals or anything from Betsy. But looking at primary source documents, the receipts, census records to find out where she lived, 
probate papers to find out what she owned during periods of her life, family stories. We were able to piece together a pretty full story of Betsy's life. But then we also have to kind of look at the greater context of Philadelphia. What were other 18th century working, working women doing? What were other upholsterers doing? So you kind of have to fill in the gaps by studying other people and, and sort of taking an educated guess. Like, well, this sounds like something that would have happened in Betsy's life as well. If you're paying attention, you'll hear how Lisa's catching these details. She's not speaking in absolutes. She says, this sounds like something that would have happened. These are the delicate steps that Betsy Ross House dances. Now, in no way, shape, or form did they embellish anything about the history of Betsy Ross. In fact, to the contrary, they get it. They realize that we're dealing with a period of history where record-keeping by today's standards is totally incomplete. The ink from all those quill pens have long since faded, and it wasn't like the Continentals were going around using their cloud storage or Google Drive or anything like that in the 1700s. Lots of different people might have slightly different versions, but for the most part, all the, the daughters, the grandchildren, the nieces who all shared Betsy's story that they heard from her, they all sounded very, very similar. Direct quotes from Betsy. We have a lot out there to show, like, you know, she had something to do with that first American flag. Something? But exactly what? That continues to be a matter for debate. And we'll get into it next. This is the John Cast. I'm Brian Seltzer. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, Greg, for that really good introduction. And thank you for reading it just as I wrote it. <laughs> I, um, I'm gonna Mark Leapson is an author and historian. This event that he's speaking at was broadcast on the cable TV network C-SPAN back in 2005, a few weeks after he published one of his books called Flag. An American biography. You know, when I was when I was setting out to write this book, I, I kind of knew in my heart that Americans had a special feeling for our flag, but I wanted to confirm that. So I, I I interviewed all the flag experts. I read all the books that I could. I even got to talk to people in other countries. And universally, people have told me, and I've I come to believe, and I think it's true that Americans do have a special and unique feeling for the flag. When I started searching on Google for more information about some of the myths surrounding Betsy Ross, what parts of popular history might be true or untrue, Leibson's name and his research kept coming up just about everywhere I looked, from different American history websites to a National Geographic article, even the podcast 99% Invisible. Leibson's cited all over the place. And that's because, as far as I can tell, he's the most well-respected and credentialed historian in the last 20 or so years to really take an emphatic, strong stance on this issue that, you know what? There's not enough evidence for us to definitively conclude, without a shadow of a doubt, that it was Betsy Ross who made the first American flag. Let's talk about Betsy Ross for a minute, because um, almost the first question, you know, I've been, the book came out on Flag Day, and I, I've done a, several radio and TV and newspaper interviews, and almost the first question, especially from TV people, is, uh, what, Betsy Ross didn't make the first flag? And um, the answer to that question is that we don't know. But there is no primary source, there's no good historical evidence that she did. Leibson's not being mean about it. He doesn't seem like a 
bad or vindictive guy with an axe to grind. But as a historian, he's got standards. And by his standards, the legend of Betsy Ross just doesn't seem to cut it. In his opinion, the record's not clear enough. Do you know when the nation found out that Betsy Ross was the maker of the first flag? 1870. That's right. Oh, almost 100 years later, the occasion was her grandson, William Canby. He held a press conference at the um, Historical Society of Pennsylvania in, in Philadelphia, and he announced that his grandmother made the flag. And he had evidence. But his evidence was family history. It was affidavits from his grandmother and great aunts to the effect that Betsy made the first flag. Well, I, I, the analogy I use is, uh, well, historians uh, look at family stories as the least reliable historical evidence. And think about it. I mean, remember the kid's game of telephone where 10 of us were in a circle and you said something and it came out different on the other. Well, think about 100 years later and what can happen. So if it wasn't Betsy Ross, then who? Who should we give that credit to? Who designed the first American flag? This is the take that Leibson gave in his book. We do have historical evidence about the possible and probable designer of the flag, and that's a man named Francis Hopkinson, who's a very interesting figure in American history. He was um, a member of the Continental Congress from New Jersey, but he was also he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. He was also a, uh, a, a colonial renaissance man. Um, he wrote poems, he wrote plays, he wrote novels, he wrote music, he wrote an opera. He was also a heraldist, and he designed the great seal of the state of Pennsylvania, and he designed the great seal, the official seal of the University of Pennsylvania, although it wasn't called that at the time. And he was on the first committee to design the first, the great seal of the United States. Now, Hopkinson's design was not the final design, but it was pretty close, and it happened to have uh, red, white, and blue, it had 13 stars and 13 stripes. Putting that all together, we have, we strongly believe that the designer of the flag was, was Francis Hopkinson. And, you know, the other thing about the Betsy Ross situation... Near the end of his C-SPAN talk, Mark Leibson started to take some questions from the audience. One guy sounded like he had just found out about Santa Claus. First of all, I'm uh, devastated about Betsy Ross. But uh, with your research, do you think that will change somewhat of American history, because if it is true, I mean, we don't want to be teaching our children. Well, wrong. you know, it, it, um, I, I, it, this doesn't come from me. I mean, if you read, if you read any, any historian who has studied it has come to the same conclusion, that there is no historical evidence that Betsy Ross made the first flag. And actually, at the Betsy Ross house, they even refer to it as a legend. But, you know, if you go on Amazon and look at Betsy Ross, most of the books are kids' books, and they have things like Seamstress of the Revolution. And, um, and, but then if you turn to the first page, it might say family stories or the legend, or, but I don't think anything I do is going to stop that legend. <laughs> now, there are hard pieces of evidence that the Betsy Ross house points to when skeptics and challengers like Leibson come along. For instance, there's this receipt from May 29, 1777, that shows that Betsy was paid a good chunk of money to make ships colors. There's also documentation that she had a business relationship with George Washington that predated the American flag. In one of his ledger books at his home in Mount Vernon, he noted that Betsy was hired to do the betting. So there's that connection too. Betsy Ross House Director Lisa Ackermulder is okay with this gray area. Did you know when you took this position that dealing with some of the doubters was something that you were going to have to confront head on? And how did you approach that? 
Absolutely. We just said, you know what? We don't know for sure. We don't know everything. But what we can do is we can share what we know. And there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to show that Betsy had something to do with the making of the first American flag. There may have been lots of different women who stitched that first design of the American flag. This was a prototype for what the American flag was going to look like. So it could have been Betsy alone who did it, or there could have been other women who did it. And the truth is, she's actually come to enjoy engaging with non-believers. One time there was a, a funder. We, invite, we invited him to come multiple times. He always politely declined. And one time he said, well, you know, I, I think Betsy Ross's story, story is dubious. And we're like, all right, well, give us a chance. Let's, let's give you a tour of the Betsy Ross house. I gave him the tour. I shared what we know about Betsy. He met our Betsy Ross interpreter. I pulled out some artifacts that belonged to Betsy, like her Bible, her glasses, her snuff box. And by the time he left, he he gave us a $10,000 check. And he, he said, I, you know, I, my opinion of Betsy has, has changed. When I started here so many years ago, there were so many haters, so to speak. And to, over time, see people's opinions of Betsy change has been really gratifying. Back inside the courtyard of the Betsy Ross house on Flag Day, Students from the public school in Brooklyn that we heard from at the beginning of the episode are getting ready to go inside for their tour, and they're listening to their God. Betsy Ross wasn't just a seamstress who made flags and, you know, with cute little stars on them and stuff. She was an upholsterer. That's what she did. That was a man's job back then, while raising seven children. What? Seven? Yeah. And how many do you think were boys? How many think were girls? Four. Seven! <laughs> if the question is, are we ever going to find out the real truth about Betsy Ross, about whether or not she did or didn't make the first American flag, maybe so, but probably not. The Betsy Ross house thinks the question should shift. It shouldn't be about did she or didn't she? The focus should be on why tell this story? This is where Lisa Ackermolder has found purpose over the last two decades. When I first started here, it was pretty much strictly a museum of the history of the flag and making of that first flag. And I felt like, and I still feel like, that's really not even the most important and interesting part of Betsy's story. I think the fact that she was a single working mom who had periods in her life where she was a little more prosperous and had more cash flow coming in from successful businesses. And then she had periods in her life where she struggled so much financially that she had to take a side job cleaning the Free Quaker Meeting House. She had to receive charity from the Free Quakers um, in food, cash, shoes for her disabled husband, firewood. These are stories that are so relatable. I have people in my family who had very similar stories. And these are the stories that you don't generally hear in historic house museums. You hear about, for the most part, wealthy, powerful men, white men. Here, we're telling the story of a middle-class working woman living in a little row house in Philadelphia. Single working mom, middle class, overcoming financial obstacles, taking on multiple jobs to raise a big household full of kids. I mean, we might as well be talking about 2023 instead of the revolutionary period. And this is the type of aha thinking 
that Lisa Ackermolder and the Betsy Ross House want to spark. They believe that history isn't static. It's a living, breathing, and constantly evolving thing that should always be open for reinterpretation. Why is adapting older history important? Why does that matter? You really have to kind of interpret what you're seeing in history. And I think that's important because maybe when we opened as a historic house museum in 1898, telling the flag story was what was important. But now I think people, maybe that's not the most important story anymore. The story of, you know, the, the, the woman, Betsy the woman, her struggles, her triumphs. That's, that's what people want to hear now and need to hear now. Coming up next time on part two of the John Cass Philly Flags miniseries, find out why wherever the president or vice president goes, they take a little piece of Northeast Philly with them. A lot of people, they really respect what we're doing and there's pride in it. And I think that it's a good thing in this type of world to have a job like that. The John Cast is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcasts and is made in Philadelphia by Tom Rickard, Sabrina Boyd Serka, Holly Stevens, Bibiana Correa, Myron Kaplan, and me, Brian Seltzer. Special thanks to C SPAN, Carrie Filer Bender, Heather Kincaid, Historic Philadelphia and the Betsy Ross House, and Lisa Acker Mulder. And there's one more person we need to give a very special shout out to. Would the podcast producer be able to ask the gentle lady for a hot take? I know not what that means, sir. We absolutely cannot forget to thank Betsy Ross. Is there a better flag city in America, perhaps the world, than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? I will firmly state that there is no better city in the entirety of the world to celebrate flags than Philadelphia. I think Betsy Ross might have just given her first hot take. Well... I do feel a little warm. There is no one better than Betsy. You can learn more about the Betsy Ross House at historicphiladelphia.org, or better yet, why don't you take a swing by the house itself? It's on 3rd and Arch Streets. Be sure to give the John Cast a follow on Twitter and follow us wherever you listen to pods, free on the Odyssey app or anywhere else. We'll talk to you next time.